I remember the, the first series and a, a pin and pull play and Chase Reynolds to the house and that's about as loud as I, I've heard it, it was 65 yards and so after we had gone down to score that that was it was electric I mean and, and you're on the other side of momentum and Chase Reynolds takes it to the house and uh, you got to find a way to battle force a, a turnover here or there um, I think we end up forcing three turnovers there's a fumble on the goal line Jordan Craney intercepting a slant and then the interception at the end but Lorenzo Davis running wild young freshman delivering the kid from Texas who said he'd be too cold out there wearing no gloves finding a way to win and then I remember the, the celebration afterwards the pictures afterwards and the bus ride home man and it was things I cherish to this day well if you've been listening to our new podcast series catching up with the cats you've heard this guy's name quite a bit because a lot of his former teammates have mentioned him this week catching up with the cats it's a special one because we have a lot of different things going on in the wide world of football but a guy who i've known since his senior year at montana state mike Ryder, joins us now on catching up with the cats and mike all sorts of different angles to attack here because it is rivalry week at the college level but you also got your high school alma mater playing for a state championship on friday as well well, you must be pretty excited about the upcoming weekend of football. Oh, you know it. And uh, I'm I'm going to be making the trip to Missoula ahead of time on Friday and getting an opportunity to go watch the Bears play. Uh, I'm excited for those guys. I got a chance to coach them some last year, and they're a talented bunch. And uh, between that game and then obviously the Brawl of the Wild on Saturday, it doesn't get any more fun for a, a fall football uh, weekend in Montana. Well, here's where I'm at. I know that we're objective around here. There's no root and interest in anything like that. But the one PSA I got to give everybody is some of the coolest environments I've been to are state championship games the night before the Bobcat Grizzly game. Missoula has not hosted a state championship since 1994. That's a year after I even moved to Montana. I was eight years old. We got to pack Missoula County Public Stadium. Doesn't matter if you're a Bobcat, a Grizzly, a Sentinel Spartan, a Billings West Golden Bear, or just a football fan. Let's show out for these kids because this is going to be sweet, man. Man, this, can be, this is one versus two. It's a rematch of last year's state championship game. So, I mean, the lore of Naranchi Stadium in Butte has always been legendary. Memorial Stadium up in Great Falls. We got to get Missoula County Public Stadium on the map, man. So anybody that's coming over for the game, please come hang out with us. And that must give you a lot of pride, right, Ryder? Because, I mean, like you said, you coach these guys. This has been a special group at Billings West. So what's your take on Friday night state's championship? Oh, man, I, I'm a little bit torn, I got to tell you. So I my uh, one of my best buddies growing up who I played with at Billings West, uh, Mike Motts, he's the defensive coordinator there at Sentinel. Um, so I'm, I'm always pulling for those guys, and we talk a lot of football um, in the off seasons and things. And so uh, always a little bit torn, but this one's easy. Uh, obviously going for my for my uh, my Bears as they head into the Friday. But I look, both teams are solid. I know uh, between the Cruz kid at Missoula Sentinel and supporting cast, and then, uh, you know, the the Bears are just, they're loaded with talent between the Dowler Twins and Bradley Ferguson and Isaiah Clonch and an awesome offensive line. And I think it should be a battle, but uh, I'm hoping that third time's a charm here for these, these Golden Bears and they can finish on a high note and, and walk out of there with a state title. One last question about the here and now. You've been doing color commentary this season for the Bobcat Radio broadcast with Zach Mackey, and it's been fun listening to you on the games, and uh, you're you're acclimating to it very well. But just tell us about how you kind of got into this role, because this must be a great way for you to stay connected to both your alma mater and the game of football. 
Yeah, it was a really cool opportunity that came about really in last spring. Uh, Quinn Puccini through Bobcat Sports Properties is somebody that I had a working relationship really outside of the football realm. And he approached me and, and, and uh, had me do it for the spring game and then ended up being an opening in the fall. And, and sure enough, uh, with the approval of my wife, as she knows, being once a, 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 a wife of a college coach, she knew the just the time it takes to be involved on Saturdays. And with her blessing, decided to make the, make the jump into that world. And I didn't know Oh, honestly, Coulter, what I was getting into, other than I know I love to talk football and um, I care about Montana State deeply in the program. And so it's been a really cool experience just to have a little bit of a window into the program that I just care so much about. So it's been a ton of fun. It's been humbling. I didn't really know exactly how difficult it would be, but it does take a lot of a uh, lot of practice and um, I'm learning, hopefully improving uh, each week. Well, let's take it back to the beginning because you, as we implied there, are, are, are a alum of, of Billings West High School and uh, you were on that state championship team back in 2006, which I believe was the most recent under Paul Claybo before he retired. Maybe he got one more in there, but regardless, uh, what do you remember about that time in your life and how that sort of set the stage then for your career at Montana State? Well, what was the keys to the success at Billings West when you were in high school? And we, there was a lot of really good players that came before us. And they set the stage and the in the tone. Whether it's a, a Pat Ryan and a, and a John Edwards and a Kyle Ryan and my, you know my brother was on David Ryder was on those teams. You know Kendall Sell and gosh Pat Karahassan and Dustin Michaelis, Levi Robbins, right? Those are all Derek Bean. Those are all names that for the West High Group. Brandon Van Cleve. Uh, they set the tempo and and Billings West has got a, a long historic uh, you know prideful program. And so I think what that meant. And what that, and we had a really good year. My my senior year, as you mentioned, we won state, and and we had a lot of lofty expectations because we were a really good football team. But I think what that meant is I got into college after we won a state championship, just taking those expectations and the, the pride in the program and the standards and really um, applying that to an already great foundation that was laid at Montana State by, by Pat Carehassen and a Ken Ione and a Travis Lule and a Ryan Johnson and you know, all of those guys. Uh, and so applying that same foundation and just trying to build on it. And, uh, you know, when you give back to a program like that, hopefully you generate a little bit of momentum and set a good foundation for other players like a, uh, a Jody Owens or uh, the guys that you're seeing today that are building on it. And hopefully you can just look back and say, I've given a little bit. I gave everything I had to the program, but hopefully you, you had a little bit of a, a say and a, and a hand in building a firm foundation. Do you remember the first Montana State coach to kind of land on your radar that first started recruiting you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Jason McIndoe, 100%. So he was responsible for recruiting me, and I didn't have a lot of recruiting activity. It was one of those weird things, like a lot of Montana kids can relate to, and um, you know, it felt like I was a, a good good player and was a, an all-state all performer, and I'll never forget some of those phone calls on, on Friday night and those handwritten notes for um, you know every other week from, from Coach McIndoo, and it was just for a walk-on guy. It wasn't even a scholarship, and he, he treated me like a, a walk-on or a, a scholarship guy and did a home visit, and uh, I still text him fairly regularly and just let him know I'm, I am a Montana State Bobcat because of Jason McIndoo and, and Coach Kramer, but predominantly Jason McIndoo and then Kane Ione, who was helpful in kind of evaluating my film and getting it to Coach Mack. So I'm forever indebted to those guys. Well, I know your dad played college football. Is at Texas? Is that right? That's right. Yep. He, he played in the late 70s and had an opportunity to play on some really good teams and, and some good teammates with you know, like Earl Campbell and, and others. So he, he uh, I grew up a, a huge Longhorn fan, but pretty quickly up here in Montana, you realize that that's not really in the cards for you unless you're pretty <laughs> outstanding. 
Well, no doubt. But it seems like, though, just having a dad that had been involved in that, I know he was a coach at that level as well. So uh, did that sort of uh, influence you just in terms of believing that you could make the dream happen, even if you didn't have a lot of scholarship offers and stuff like that coming out of high school? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it did. My dad was aware of the recruiting process, and so that was always helpful, even though just because you're a coach and being aware of the recruiting process doesn't necessarily mean that you can get people to recruit your son. So I think it was a, a humbling experience for my dad um, because he knew the process, but he also didn't know what it was like because, quite honestly, my dad was on the total end, opposite end of the spectrum. My dad was, a, you know, what we would now consider a five-star recruit. I mean, he took visits to OU and Nebraska and Texas and a couple others. So it was a different territory for him, but it was definitely helpful because he could kind of help navigate a little bit of the recruiting process. And then he just knew going into my freshman year, he, he just had some good advice as far as, you know, taking coaching and being early to meetings and make friends with the people like the trainers and the equipment manager and just some of the little inside trader information that's helpful as you're heading into a college as a freshman. Well, the uh, the program at Montana State at that moment, on one hand, was on the rise because Mike Kramer had done a good job of, of rebuilding it in the post-Cliff Heisel days, and the streak had ended in 2002 against the Grizzlies, and then Big Sky Conference Championship started coming uh, in 2002, 2003, 2005, but then uh, the, the controversy and the scandal hits Montana State right about when you're coming out of high school. So what was your perspective when that was all going down? Oh, man, I, I get asked this, Coulter, and I, I think you're so... I don't even want to say sheltered, but you... Well, you're 17, of course. <laughs> yeah, like you're just, you almost like didn't have a perspective. Like people ask me, like, do you remember what that was like? And I'm just like, I don't I don't think I do. I, I, I was a freshman, so I finished my freshman year and a lot of that stuff came out. And of course it was shocking. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I just kind of put my head down to be quite honest. Man, I was trying to get a roster spot. I mean, I was a preferred walk-on, so I was there and everything was great. And I enjoyed it. But at the same time, you're trying to find a way to, to, to get on the field. And so that was a lot of my focus. And, and you know, Coach Kramer gets fired and and then there's a new staff and I didn't even know what to think. And you just kind of jump in with both feet and coach Ash took the reins and, and I just never really looked back. So I don't know that I remember or recall that other than being like, geez, that's some pretty serious stuff. But um, I, I know that we do have good kids in this locker room and, um, and I know that there was a lot of promise uh, in terms of what we could build. How would you describe the just the key factors in the actual art of rebuilding? Because it is, you know, that words are used a lot, culture, rebuild, all that stuff. You know, Montana State has such great football tradition and you know, even for some of the quote unquote down years, was still one of the best schools in the big sky always. I mean, the, the I think it's eighteen big sky championships at this point, which is more than anybody in the league besides Montana. And so great football tradition at Montana State. Every era has had good coaches and playoff teams and all that. But what do you remember about the, some of the stuff that the, the coaching staff, the new coaching staff, Rob Ash and his guys were trying to instill that sort of helped lay the foundation for then the eventual rise uh, towards the end of the first decade of the 21st century? Yeah, I think they realized how how good we did have it because there is a lot of rich tradition. And so you never want to shy away from that and act like it doesn't exist. You want to give credit to the people that built so much, right? The, the national championship teams, you know, that came before and, um, you know, the, the, the big sky wins that came before. And so I think you want to acknowledge that, but then you want to also acknowledge the really good academic ed- uh, uh, institution that it is and just the, the, the huge support across the state and, and, and beyond. So I think, yeah, you have to find a way to put that in a bottle and utilize that, but also emphasize 
what you have coming as a fresh start and, and what's going to be the new hallmark. And for Rob Ash, it was going to be a lot of the details and, and making sure we're handling business off the field in terms of, you know, academic and social and, and all those types of things. And so I think that was a big portion of it, you know, not shying away from the history, but also building on it and giving credit to those guys that came before. But also uh, I, I think he really built on just the, the idea that unity and, and being a team that from your walk-ons all the way to your seniors, you're inclusive. And that's not the same everywhere. A lot of programs, there's a lot of divisiveness. And if you're a walk-on, you're treated differently than somebody else. And, and I think that if you can get buy-in across a program um, where kids feel valued and they feel like they're playing their part, that's where success lives. And I think that's what Coach Ash was able to do um, from your you know tryout walk-ons all the way through your your starters uh, to have buy-in and that's what we focused on and and I do remember there were times when I was a young player that I didn't feel that way and uh, and so I just remember making a promise to some of my myself and some of my teammates that like we're not we're going to treat people right in the program uh, because you need everybody to be a part of it to build what you want to build. Do you remember some of the guys from your time that kind of gravitated toward that? Because it seems like you guys sort of did have this common agreement that that was going to be sort of the attitude amongst the guys that would eventually then rise to be leaders of the program. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, there there were a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, just specifically, I, I can think of my class, you know, the Dustin O'Connells, the, you know, the Jordan Craneys, you know, Tanner Ripley, Mike Person, of course. And, and so I, I think we, we, we took that and we, we knew how important it was to, to create something special because we all had come from successful programs. Other Tanner Ripley from Highwood who'd won a state title and, you know, Dustin O'Connell from Capitol who, who had, um, you know, played in a number of state championships and had a, a lot of pride in their program. I think they knew the ingredients. And so those guys were key contributors in building that culture. And, and ultimately, uh, it, it paid off, right? You, you, you win a big sky title and qualify for the playoffs and do what we did and beat the Grizz in 2010. And so um, I think a lot of those guys had a huge hand. I know a lot of those guys had a huge hand in building that culture. As the thing started to build in the late 2000s, do you remember any any key moments that were, were turning points that provided a, a sense of belief? Or, or what, are, what are just some of your memories from the times leading up to that senior year, which then culminated in a Big Sky Championship? I remember some good and some bad. You know, 2009, I, I, I remember the turning point and really the first game that was won, I think under Rob Ash, that we weren't supposed to win. And that was, and we, I think we talked about it, Coulter, and I saw you a few weeks ago when we were both down in Ogden. But that, that win in 2009 against against Weber State, it, it, it was a, a huge win. We won a game that we weren't supposed to win. And they were a ranked team, and we were on the road. I think that that really propelled us. And we had great players that year. You know, Dane Fletcher, uh, Kevin Rattori, um, Arnold Briggs. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of them. I mean, Aaron Mason. Th- there was a lot of really really good players, um, and so I think that was probably a moment that really propelled us into you know what we're capable of. And I think that was probably one of the biggest biggest shifts to say, okay, we have got to start winning games necessarily that we're that we're not necessarily supposed to win. And so um, I think that was a, a big one. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. 
Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, fiber deployments, and community events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. So you're sad College Game Day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College Game Day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need somewhere to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down and hang out with me, Coulter Nuanas, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. It always takes all types of personalities, and so sometimes you need the steady guys, you need the happy guys, the funny guys, you need the crazy guys. So just take us through sort of the dynamic of the group, because it seemed like you guys had guys that fit that sort of mold all the way across the board. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely did. Just thinking about 2010 specifically, um, you know, there's the quiet leaders like a, like a Jordan Craney who was going to lead by example and maybe you know, a little bit more vocal where guys like, you know, Mike Person and Tanner and I, um, but you also needed, you know, the really, really good role players like a Blade Beckstead who uh, was a reserve running back, but played his tail off on special teams and was, you know, mentoring a young Cody Kirk in the wings long before people even know who Cody Kirk was, right? Or, you know, a Dustin O'Connell who is a, he's a little bit, he's totally blue collar capital guy and, and, you know, mentoring young guys in the defensive line group and so it takes all types of personalities and all types of you know whether you're from montana whether you're not from montana uh it it just takes all shapes and sizes to to you know to come together and that's to me what makes football the greatest team sport on earth the, the coaching staff then too rob ash was so good at even when he did lose assistance bringing in new guys that seem to never miss a beat i mean even with i think there was five offensive coordinators from 2010 to 2015 under rob ash and they were always really good on offense they always seemed to be able to figure out new systems and all that sort of stuff but what do you remember just about the coaching staff at that time your position coach defensive coordinator and all that and the way they influenced the team i think what was unique about coach ash and i just admire him now is like get older and look back is that he was just a master delegator. And I think there's different ways to skin a cat, but, and be a successful college football coach, but a lot of them do a really good job of delegating. They trust their assistant coaches. And I think Rob did a really good job of that. And, you know, letting Kane Ione run his linebacker meetings and, and, and do it as he sees fit, you know, you know, let Jamie Marshall call the defense and, um, you know, uh, let uh, Brian Wright you know, be the offensive coordinator that he is. And, and, and those were a bunch of really good football coaches. I mean, Jason McIndoe, um, who was at Oklahoma State, you look at Brian Wright, who is 
and now the head coach at Pitt State, but had stops at FAU and, and others. Gosh, I mean, really good receivers coaches and a Brian Von Bergen. I mean, D-line coach and Bo Beck, who obviously has accolades through some of the people that he coached, and, and he was a phenomenal D-line coach. And then my secondary coach, Noah Joseph, right? He's a polarizing figure amongst Bobcat coaches and players, but a guy that taught me everything I know about playing defensive back. And um, he's coached at the highest level. And um, and so just a quality staff that, who's done such a good job, and a lot of them are still coaching to this day. And, yeah, credit to Rob Ash being able to find really good guys. And, uh, unfortunately, at the FCS level, you don't necessarily keep them for that long, but they sure built a good foundation and passed a lot of, a lot of good knowledge and uh, were able to win a lot of ball games. And at that moment in time, there's been so many ebbs and flows in the, the Bobcat-Grizzly rivalry, and it's one of my favorite parts to cover. We're coming to you right now, just days away from the 120th edition of Montana State versus Montana, uh, but... The, the ebb at that moment in time had been the Grizzlies because the streak had certainly ended in 2002, but then 06 to 09, Montana was as good as any team has ever been in the Big Sky Conference. They'd won 31 out of 32 conference games, and they'd went to na- back-to-back national championships in 2008 2009. So from you guys from the other side of the hill, was that motivation? What was your perspective on uh, just the the trying to even the playing field with the Grizzlies? You can't shy away from the success that they had, but you do eventually get to the other side. Like when you're on the in the on the other side of the hill, you, you get sick of hearing about it, right? I don't even know how, how else to say it, but you, you got to find a way to even the gap. And so you, you don't want to focus so, so much on what they're doing, but focus on what you can do within your uh, within your building and, and controlling things in the off season and working your tail off, knowing that you know the chips are going to fall where they may. But I'm going to never leave. I'm going to make sure I put the work in. And, and that the, the, the team put the work in and that we were in a good position to, to try and, and finally beat the Grizzlies, which we did in 2010. So um, I think, you know, you couldn't focus so much on what they're doing, but you got to focus on what you have going on. And, you know, credit to the coaches that even after after Coach Ash, you know, the Coach Choate and what he's done, you know, my, my guess is, yes, you, you you find a way to focus on being the Grizzlies, but at the same time, you, you got to stay within your, you know, within your program and focus on building your program, not necessarily to beat them, but just to, to beat anybody. On Saturday, there's no surprise how important it is to the state and how much you want to beat the, the University of Montana, but you can't just spend the entire year focusing on that. It's just that there's no way you can do it. And so focus on what you can control and build within your building and within your DNA and your culture and good things happen. Well, when it comes to building up all that DNA and all that culture, this thing came to a head, especially for you and your classmates in 2010. And Montana State wins their first outright Big Sky Championship in quite some time and the first one under Rob Ash. But what do you remember about just the lead up to that? What was the, the turning point, the tipping point for Montana State leading into the 2010 season and then throughout that campaign? I think our fall camp just felt different, Coulter. Just expectations and the pieces that we had uh, in place, just talent-wise. You know, a young Daenerys McGee was a big part of that. Man, he was just a special player, and and I think that there was there was a louder expectation as far as like what we're going to do in this program. And I think from fall camp all the way through, and to some just to, to hit some adversity. I mean, we hit some adversity with a really bad loss at NAU with an absolute shootout in Sacramento that we very well could have lost an overtime uh, win against Idaho State. So it was an up and down season. But 
I think we were really able to set the tone early and often in fall camp just to know that we got a special team and uh, we know what we're capable of doing. And, and then it, you know, I'll never forget that the night before the Cat Grizz game. And it was, and it was a free, it was the coldest I've ever been in my whole life. But I just, that, that night before and the lead up, it's just, there's so much for these kids and you try and tell them just to enjoy the process because there is so much hanging on it and it's so important to the state but you got to find a way to just smile enjoy it and then when saturday comes man you got to take it one play at a time and and it's going to be the same for this game it's going to be the exact same as every other cat grizz game there's going to be some haymakers that are thrown there's huge plays and you got to find a way just understand that like i'm going to make a choice the Grizzlies or the Cats are going to make a big play. Whatever side of the fence I'm on, like there's adversity is going to hit, and I got to make a decision before that play ever happens. That I, I got to move on because it's not going to go perfect. You got to find a way to to calm yourself down and move on to the next play or the next series. When you guys were going through that fall camp, what was your perspective on the quarterback competition? Because Cody Kemp had come in from Oregon and uh, was a highly touted guy, but then you got this upstart, hyperactive, unbelievably energetic freshman named Denarius McGee who ends up winning that job. So what did you guys think as upperclassmen when there's this freshman that's trying to win the day? Well, he never stopped talking for one. Let's be never. He still hasn't stopped talking. He still hasn't. I'm sure. Who knows how that's paying off for him in the NFL? But uh, my guess is he's not changing who he is. But I no. All all kidding aside, I uh, I love Denarius like a brother. Um, But he he just possessed something different. And you know whether it was one on one sessions or playing a lot of seven on seven in practice, he just he had something different and he would never stop talking, but he, he could just flat out make plays. And he had that confidence. He came from Euless Trinity high school, which is obviously a dominant program in the Dallas area. And so he knew what it was like to win and the expectations that he brought matched the exact same expectations that I was alluding to earlier. And so it it was a perfect ingredient and not that Cody wasn't capable, um, but there are just times where, you know, being a young freshman and being so confident, you step into this thing, you almost don't know what you don't know. And, and so he, it just didn't, the moment in the, in the role didn't feel too big for Denarius and that it proved to, you know, pay well for him as we had a really, really good season. And, and uh, he had a, what arguably is his best season as a Bobcat. No doubt about it. And then the other group I got to ask you about, because it was anchored by a guy who then went on to play almost a decade in the NFL, is Mike Person and the offensive line. Person was our debut subject on Catching Up with the Cats, and a guy that has just so many great stories, particularly from his time at the next level. But how much do you think that helped, just having the solidification and just the consistency that existed along the offensive front, led by Jason McIndoo, and sort of spearheaded by a guy that had a hell of a lot of talent in Mike Person? Yeah. And, and I mean, geez, what did he have? Like, I don't know, Coulter, 55 career starts or something. I mean, every I mean, game. I think he started crazy. every game that he played in Montana State. Yeah. And it, it didn't even get broken until I think John Widener had something similar. But regardless, just played a ton of ball to the point where by the time I was starting as a junior or some of the people in his class, you know, a lot of people wait three years before you get to start. Well, he had already started, you know, 25 games by the time I even started a, started a game. So, so naturally, he has got more experience. And we're in the same, we're the same age, same class, but yet in a most pivotal position on the offensive line, he had a whole lot of experience and he could kind of carry the torch, right? To say, Hey, you know, learn from me here. And you, you don't want, there's not a better place to have experience than on the offensive line or the defensive line. But I think the offensive line is where you want the most experience and it pays off. And that's quite honestly, I think that's what makes the, the cats such a, uh, a dominant team right now is their experience uh, up front. But Mike Person was the one that, that had all the experience and um, just a phenomenal player and great leader, and, uh, and, and he really led our team that year. 
Well, let's talk about the game that clinched the Big Sky title for you in Missoula 2010. So many of these games are just moments in time and moments in history. And as Jeff Choate said these last several years, if you make a play in the Bobcat Grizz game, you will be remembered forever. And it's so true. But that 2010 game was distinctly special because of so many things. The culmination of Montana State's Big Sky Conference Championship. But also, the first time in my lifetime, living in Missoula at least, that the Grizzlies had not made the playoffs. And the way that it all went down with Chase Reynolds getting stuffed on the goal line and then your interception and and all that. Just take us through your memories of that 2010 game, which, by the way, might have been the coldest freaking game I've ever been to in my life. What do you remember about (laughs) that afternoon in Missoula? Yeah, I I remember remember how cold it was. I remember walking down the tunnel for the coin toss. I guess, let me back up. Even before then, we we had the, I'm sure you already heard this, but we had these gold jerseys that we wanted to wear. And um, and you have to get approval from the visiting team to wear, you know, wear jerseys. And so we asked if we could wear gold jerseys and they said no. And I'll never forget sitting up in the locker room. And I love Coach Ash for this. They probably paid off. But he, we were just begging him, like, let's just, just we'll take the penalty. Like, we'll take the penalty. Let's wear the gold jerseys. And he said, no, no. And we're like, all right, whatever. So no gold jerseys. So we were kind of pissed and a little bit salty about that. But I remember walking down the tunnel and um, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't have sleeves on, which was the worst decision ever. That changed the second half. I couldn't get up the tunnel fast enough. But I just remember the electricity. I remember the, the, the wind howling and the footing being terrible. I remember the the first series and a, a pin and pull play and Chase Reynolds to the house. And that's about as loud as I, I've heard it. It was 65 yards. And so after we had gone down to score that that was it was electric i mean and, and you're on the other side of momentum and chase reynolds takes to the house and uh you got to find a way to battle force a, a turnover here or there um i think we end up forcing three turnovers there's a fumble on the goal line uh yeah jordan craney intercepting a slant and then the interception at the end but lorenzo davis running wild a young freshman delivering the kid from texas who said he'd be too cold you know out there wearing no gloves finding a way to win and then I remember the the celebration afterwards the pictures afterwards and the bus ride home man and it was things I cherish to this day well, those are awesome memories, and we love catching up with you. So just a couple more things for you, Mikey. First of all, I've asked everybody on this podcast this, but I think it's important worth noting because I think that there's all sorts of awesome benefits to people that play college football or even that are around it. I was thinking that myself, uh, even the year that we didn't have it, how much secondary influence that just listening to coaches talk has had on my life and how during the time when we didn't have it, I found myself wandering astray. But then, you know, I've thought back to some of the lines that Jeff Chota said or or. Rob Ash has said, or you know, Robin Flugrad was another guy. Coach Ty, Gregor X guy, I talked to all the time, and, and so it is. It's influential in such a positive fashion. But for you, as a guy then who went on to get into college coaching, and now you're still involved as a color commentator, it seems as if the, the time at Montana State set the stage for your life. But I, I mean, how how is how is your time playing football at Montana State just impacted you and who you are now today? First and foremost is the relationship, um, the, the relationships that you build. You're you're always under stress. Being a college athlete, uh, it's not easy from, you know, your time management to, uh, you know, because you have to go to class and you got to have passing grades and you have to balance some, some social life and, uh, you know, and football. And, and I know people talk a lot about that, but it, it's challenging. And it's it, it, that to me, uh, what that does from, you know, time management and a resiliency perspective and um, and everything that comes along with, with playing college athletics and playing college football, I mean, the coachability, the teachability, it's things that are that are serving me now as I'm in as I'm in business development or in sales. 
Like you've got to push through adversity. I've got to manage my schedule and manage my time. I got two kids at home and, and, uh, and so I have to, you know, I have to communicate effectively with my wife to say, Hey, here are the days I'm going to be gone. Here are the days I'm going to be home. How can I help? How can I play a role? Uh, there's an unselfishness to the whole thing. And so it, it's the, the game of football has given me so, so, so much and I am forever indebted. And I, that's why I feel so passionately about, you know, the Montana state program, because you learn so much as a man, you know, whether it is football or going through difficult relationships in college, you know, and having to balance it all. And I just, it shapes you because you're at such an impressionable age. And those memories are just things that you cherish so much. And so I've been shaped so much by it. It's given me so much. And I am really grateful to be a Bobcat. And, and I owe so much of it to guys like Jason McIndoo, who came and sat in my living room, um, to a guy like Kane Ione, uh, who was the one that got my film to to Jason McIndoo and, and said, you need to take a look at this kid. And so I'm forever indebted. Uh, the game of football has taught me so much. And, um, and I'm just couldn't be any prouder to be a Bobcat. And that's probably why I love doing what I'm doing now so much, just having the opportunity to just have a little window into the program that I care so much about. Alpine Touch has been part of the fabric of Montana for more than 60 years. Decades ago, Russell Street started selling his Touch of Magic in Whitefish. Years later, Alpine Touch's all-purpose seasoning remains a favorite. It's tailgating season, and there's no better way to spice up your grill before a Grizz game than with Alpine Touch. Go to alpinetouch.com now and use the checkout code ESPN10 for a 10% discount on your order. Alpine Touch is here to keep your mouth watering all football season. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. So your sad college game day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College game day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, so on down to hang out with me, Colter Nuanas, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at Andy a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. Well, last thing for you then, because it is the week, I have made a stance that I will no longer make public predictions about this game. I think that there's no benefit to that whatsoever. I put way too much time into watching and covering these teams to then have a bunch of idiots tell me I don't know what I'm talking about if by chance I got it wrong. I will say, not to toot my own horn, but I've only gotten one Bobcat Grizz game wrong in the last 10 years, but no more public predictions for me. And I would encourage you and all the rest of the great contributors to not do that. But just give us your take on this this year's game, Mike. What, what do you think of just the, this, the key matchups and, and just the showdown that's going to commence in Missoula on Saturday. Yeah, you won't catch a prediction from me either. But um, <laughs> here, here's it. I'm, I'm smarter than that, man. I listen. I, I worked. I worked for Bobby Hawk for a year. I, that's I right. Know what you what you don't what you don't what you do and don't do. You don't put bulletin board material up there, right? He used to literally fought, had somebody on find the bulletin board material and put it up in the locker room for for players to players to walk through every single day and sit and read. So I know better than that, but. Matchups, man. I I think. I mean, look, it's 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 pretty uh, out in front of our faces right now. But you got the number one rush 
offense versus the number one rush defense. And so what's going to prevail there? I think you have two quarterbacks that are um, that are capable, but have been definitely uh, you know pretty spurty here or there, both of them. And so I, I think it's going to come down to the matchups up front um, and, and who's going to win that battle, either the, the offense of Montana State or the defense of Montana. And then, as always, uh, it's going to be the turnover battle. It's going to be the turnover battle and some of those explosive plays. But to, to me, if, if you can win the turnover battle, find a way to, to run the ball and stop the run, uh, you're going to be in good shape. And so I, I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup. Should be a great game. Weather shouldn't be an issue, which I think is nice. You get an opportunity where it's not going to be super cold or rainy or snowy. It's just like, look, we're both going to be at pretty much full strength as we can. There's no weather uh, elements to consider. Let's just put the ball down. Catching up with the Cats, he's Mikey Ryder. You can find him as the color commentator these days for the Bobcat broadcast on the Bobcat Radio Network with Zach Mackey as well as on ESPN Plus when called upon. Mike, great memories, man. Always a true pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Colter, appreciate it, man. Thanks a ton for having me on.